What's up, everyone? It's Jason and John, and you're listening to another Jelly Cards podcast. This week, we wanted to give you our opinion on the future of the hobby and where we see the hobby in the next coming years. We highlight some of the major card sales we have seen recently, such as the NT Luca 101 Logo Man, and how cards like that have changed the way buyers and collectors approach the hobby. Now let's roll that music. Episode 7 of the Jelly Cards Spread the Hobby Love podcast. Uh, First things first, uh, Merry Christmas to everybody. Because when this uh, podcast episode goes up, it will be Sunday morning and it will be Christmas Day. Awesome. Merry Christmas. Yeah, so Merry Christmas to you, John. What'd you get me? Merry Christmas, Jason. I got you a bunch of card debt. Oh my God, that's what I wanted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, first thing I wanted to, uh, because you never even answered, nobody answered the video that I sent in our group chat, by the way. Uh, <laughs> did you watch the Dansby Swanson video I sent? Yeah, I watched it. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and you couldn't, you couldn't answer? I, it made me admittedly a lot happier about the Swanson signing. Like we said on the, uh, the off season moves episode that we did and all the signings and the deals, I wanted Turner out of everybody. So I was a little bit salty that the Cubs kind of fell into their very often rabbit hole of being just average or slightly above average in terms of attracting superstars. And I wanted Turner so them signing Swanson, I was a little bit salty. And it was just like, oh, great. Another mid to above mid shortstop to play for the Cubs. But then I watched that video. And yeah, I did. I was very happy with the things he said. Um, for people who did not see the press conference that Swanson had, he essentially went through a tough time in his life. He basically just told a story on why he signed with the Cubs and why he felt like it was the place for him to be. And he grew up in Atlanta. He was a hometown Atlanta kid. He played for the Braves, his hometown team. But he told a story about how his grandfather used to watch the Cubs on WGN America almost every single day because he loved baseball in general. And after Dansby Swanson and his wife got married, uh, Dansby's grandfather passed away. So he just kind of felt that it was almost destiny for him to be a Chicago Cub, and he's looking forward to bringing a championship to Chicago, his grandfather's second favorite team. And, yeah, it made me emotional. It made me kind of – honestly, it made me a little bit upset. I don't know about you, Jason, because I – I'm – I don't know if people have picked up on it by now, but I'm like an old-school baseball lover. I love old-school baseball, and I love baseball in general. And I hate that the Chicago Cubs are now – strictly on marquee network so yeah i agree yeah kind of stories like swanson's there's probably tons of them out there because the cubs used to be like a national tv broadcast on wgn america and there's so many cubs fans all around the country because that used to be a thing like you would come home and the cubs would be on you flip on the game you're listening to harry Carey, and you're just enjoying the cubs and that's why the cubs travel so well because all those old Older people used to just watch baseball and the Cubs were on WGN and that was their thing. And now uh, it's happening in New York too. There's probably other 
other major league teams who have their own broadcasting network. There's going to be less stories like that. So it makes me kind of sad that um, there, there won't be many Cubs fans being built, if you want to, if you want to use that term around the country, like Dansby Swanson's grandfather. And uh, <laughs> I'm sorry that, uh, sorry that we ignored your text message in the group. I didn't even, I don't, honestly, I don't remember you sending it. It was probably during work or it was probably in the middle of some other chaotic thing that happens in my everyday life. But what did you yeah. think about it? Well, it, it made me extremely emotional. Um, and, and it made me actually love the signing of uh, Dansby Swanson because I didn't realize that, I mean, here's a, here's a player who truly wanted to play for our team. You know, and it wasn't just the money that he came over here. Like, there's a there was a, a personal reason as to why he wanted to be a Chicago Cub, and I love that. Like, I love players who want to actually play for the team that they're on. Me too. You know, and I there was another interview, or um, I, it was it, Cody Bellinger was doing an interview too uh, about you know being signed with the Cubs and talking about how you know how excited he is to to be a part of it you know because he said you know he was always every time he came to Wrigley it was always on the opposing team you know he was a Dodger and you know the few times he said that he's been able to play at Wrigley Field you know he's always enjoyed the atmosphere and now that he gets to be a part of the team he wants his bounce uh, his bounce back season to be with the Cubs so I, I love it I love when players choose to play for a team that they, they truly want to be a part of and truly want to win a championship with because, you know, you do see sometimes that, you know, some just kind of chase the money. I agree. Yeah, that made me really happy too. Like you said about Bellinger, I think it's probably – Bellinger said it and I think Swanson said it too in his press conference that even if you talk to former players, players all around the league, playing in that Wrigley Field atmosphere – it's. I think it's pretty special, and it it, it did. I appreciate what you're saying because I agree. It probably it hit home a little bit further, knowing that Swanson has ties to the Cubs, and he he came here maybe partly for the money, but he does have an emotional attachment, and that's kind of like the like the old school Chicago mindset, you know, like a blue collar, never mail it in, work like we love the Cubs, we love our Chicago teams, and that emotional attachment that players talk about it gets us excited as fans and maybe maybe other players say it just to like kind of feed the fan base but that one it felt genuine and it it made me happy that the Cubs got Swanson yeah it was yeah yeah. still not my favorite I'm still Nico Horner's my guy I love Nico I'm waiting for them to extend Nico but I'm I'm happy that he's here I'm happy that uh, Dansby's here I'm sitting here waiting for them to extend Hap too (laughs) Hap's Hap's my guy We'll see what they do. We'll see. Yeah. But so I want to get into the actual uh, main topic for this podcast episode because I want to get your opinion on, and it's it's a very broad topic, but I want to get your opinion on the future of the sports card hobby or just the card hobby in general. Um, within the last couple of years we have been seeing a lot of these record-breaking sales you know these kind of outrageous prices that people are now paying for 
basically pieces of cardboard. I mean, you know what I mean? And I kind of want to get your take on like, where do you see, uh, where do you see the card hobby in the next like five to 10 years? Because obviously I think it's what, 20, 2026 when fanatics is supposed to take over. Yeah, I think so. So just give me real quick, just give me your, your opinion on where, where you think this hobby is going or do you think that, cause now us as jelly, you know, we're a part of it now, yeah. you know, jelly cards, we are now a part of the hobby. So what happens in the future is going to now affect us as it is everybody else, you know, that's involved in the hobby as well. So what's your take on the future? Where do you see it uh, going before fanatics takes over and where do you see it after fanatics takes over? It's a really great question because I think it's kind of, to be honest, I'm happy that you said what you said that we're seeing all time high prices for cards sales. Uh, like for example, we talked about previously that Mickey Mantle card that broke records. Uh, there's LeBron cards that break records. There's Jordan cards for sure. Michael Jordan cards. I appreciate that you're bringing up the positives because very recently I feel like I've seen way too many negatives when it comes to the, the future of the hobby. And I, I think the reason for that is because people became people who got into the hobby recently, they're basing their current emotions and their current thoughts on the card boom era. I feel like people are focused way too heavily on end of 2019 early 2020 maybe bleeding into 2021 when cards and collectibles in general just went insane and prices for base rookie cards like we've talked about were at all-time highs um but now those same people who were not around like more than five or six years ago or even further 10 years ago they're getting upset because their base rookie cards that they bought are no longer worth like 300 to 400 dollars for a for a Luis robert tops chrome rookie in a psa 10. i think in my opinion i my future outlook for the hobby is very bright i don't i don't buy into on the hobby and saying that oh wow the bubble burst and where the hobby is crashing the market is crashing i think if you are a true believer in the long term of the hobby now is the time to, <laughs> uh, to use the phrase, put your money where your mouth is. Now, in my opinion, is the time to buy. Because currently, the current buy market is way better than it was a year ago. Like, if you're talking about, let's say, a Josh Allen Silver Prism rookie, he actually may be on the rise. But even players like, let's say, Tua, who's having a great year, his cards are kind of under the radar because everyone's focused in on Burrow and Josh Allen and Mahomes and players like that. When it comes to baseball, I'm we obviously are heavily invested in prospect cards, but we've talked about many times buying up players like Miguel Cabrera, players on their way out, uh, rookie cards on their on their rise. Julio Rodriguez cards are all going crazy. There's always going to be some sort of market for you to capitalize on as long as sports exist, like unless sports, every single sport immediately stops existing and all collectors just decide that we're not going to collect anything anymore, there will always be a market. And I think like you mentioned, fanatics getting in on it 
it makes me even more excited. Some people are fearful. They're worried that fanatics taking over. I am fearful. I'm one of those people, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I just don't think that that's necessary. I don't think that that fear is necessary. I know that fanatics now has the licenses, or not yet, but they have basically um, solidified the purchase of the licenses for NBA, MLB, and NFL. But when you look at it from the big picture, in my opinion, there's a reason that this multi-billion dollar company like Fanatics is getting into the hobby. And the reason for that is because they probably have projections and uh, statements or basically a laid out plan of where they think the hobby is going to go. And they bought in at what they thought would be a low point. And that gets me excited because... I do feel that there's no reason that this multi-billion dollar company would invest this much money into getting licenses, into getting basically the, we, I'm sure we're going to talk about it, but they bought tops. So they bought one of the, if not V, they bought one of the biggest card. Yeah, exactly. They bought the biggest card company in the world and people view that as a, in a fearful way in that, Oh wow, this, the fanatics is trying to just monopolize the system and take, raise prices on everything and get as much money as possible out of everybody. But I just don't think that that's going to happen. I think that they understand that the cards market is always going to be a market that you can capitalize on. Sure. As a producer, but as a, as us as jelly cards, as sellers, buyers, of sports cards, I'm excited for the hobby. And yeah, it's, I have, I, I feel bad talking for such a long time because my answer is very winded and very, like uh, it's hard to put into words how I feel, but I don't. I'm not fearful at all of the future of the hobby. I am. I am optimistic, and it gets me kind of upset when people get pessimistic. And I, I like my. I guess it's a cynical way of responding. But if you're if you're pessimistic about the hobby, I think it's because you're so used to that, <laughs> the card boom era, and you haven't you weren't around for. 2013 2014 or even like even sooner and 2004 2005 when you could buy a psa 10 rookie card of some hall of famer for hundreds of bucks and now those cards are worth thousands of dollars so well i sent you remember i i sent you that post uh the other day about that jackie robinson card you know which i think it was what in 2004 the jackie robinson rookie card was i think in a I forgot even what grade it was, but I remember it was, it sold for $3,000 or a little over $3,000. Do you remember the post that I sent, uh, that I sent you? Yeah, I remember it. Yeah. We were talking about it. What, 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 do you remember the grade that it got? I believe it was an eight or an 8.5. It was the 1954 okay. Jackie Robinson. I'm gonna... Yeah. And in 2004, that card sold for, I think it was like 3,400 or something like that. And then now, However, many years later, I mean, it's, I mean, I, you know, it has risen to these outrageous prices, you know? Yep. I'm trying to find it now. Cause that's another thing. If, if you're, <laughs> if you're listening to the podcast and you're pessimistic about the card hobby, I strongly recommend you follow this, uh, the card ladder on Instagram. Yeah. I got it now, Jason. Holy crap. So in 2004, 
the PSA 9. This is from Card Ladder on Instagram. The 2004 PSA 9 1954 Tops Jackie Robinson sold for $3,850. Fast forward to about two to three weeks ago. That card recently sold at auction for $76,440. So if you put $3,850,000 into an investment of Jackie Robinson, that card had a 1,885% increase to $76,44,000. So again, I, I want your opinion as well. I want to know what you think about the future of the hobby. It's... I'm going to go on such a long tangent because it's all about what kind of cards you're investing in, making sure you are investing in proper cards. Like I, we never talked about it and I really hope we can get to an episode where we can buying the right set is really important. I feel like too many people, especially people who got into the hobby during the card boom, they got into like draft picks, prism, and no offense, no, Jason. We did. Yep. Big big league baseball. <laughs> hey, whoa, 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 whoa. There is not a there is not a baseball card. I'm telling you right now, there is not a baseball card printed right now that doesn't look more of like an old school baseball card than big league baseball. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm just saying. That is a true baseball card and you can buy one of their like if it was a, considered a hobby box yeah. for like 45 bucks okay yeah. hey i'm just saying i like you just didn't your nico horn one of your nico horner rookies come out of one of those yes sir yep exactly. nico horner rookie auto yep i'm just saying like if i want your opinion because we need to talk about you need to do your research when you want to buy into cards or into hobby boxes in general and realize that there's always going to be that fun rip like big league baseball and sometimes draft picks prism and Allen Ginter and those like lower level sets. But if you want to talk about the future of the hobby in terms of investments and selling the cards, there's always going to be that, that tops market, that Bowman market, that prism market, that optic market. If you want to get real crazy and you want to get into the national treasures market and the immaculate market, there's always going to be room. Then I, I'm optimistic about it. But what do you think? Are you are you pessimistic? Do you are you scared for the future of the hobby and the future of jelly cards? Definitely not scared for the future of jelly cards. Um, what I'm, what I'm hesitant about is, and I've said it before, and I and I've I've said it on a previous episode, is that I feel as if the card hobby is kind of headed in a more uh, high-end route. I feel like it's turning almost into a very high-end market because you're getting a lot more of these investors, these like hot, you know, these big time like, you know, business investors that are now getting into the hobby and you're seeing these these record-breaking sales happen, but what cards are they happening? with it's it's all basically it's flawless it's national treasures it you know it's panini prism it's you know exquisite collection with the lebron james card it's starting to turn into these these high valued sales are coming out of these high valued sets which worries me because i feel as if 
the price of wax and we've like we said before the price of wax has gone up so much since 2020 that it's it's starting to like you said it you're almost got to kind of pick and choose what you want to invest in and just invest in that because if you try to dip your feet in every single pool out there you're going to end up kind of hurting yourself more than what you're probably going to gain unless you get lucky and pull something big right away. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Amazing point. Very good point. Because and, and so I want to talk about the the 2018 Luca Logo Man card. Yeah. So for anybody who doesn't know, so in, in 2021, the Luca. 2018 National Treasures Logo Man RPA, which is a 101, was graded in a BGS 9. In 2021, and it was in a private sale, that card sold for $4.6 million. Crazy. That, that card ended up becoming the, the sixth highest card ever sold either in a private sale or a public auction. Sixth highest ever. <laughs> Next year, so in 2022, and it was what? It was only like maybe like a, a couple months ago, right? That the, Yeah. So a couple months ago, that card was resold. This time it was in a public auction and it was for PWCC. It was in their premier auction, correct? Yep, correct. That card turned around and sold for $3.12 million. A huge, a huge decline in price. Still, I mean, here's the thing. If you you saw a card sell for $3.12 million, that's stolen an insane amount of money. Yeah. But if you see what that card originally was purchased for, which was $4.6 million, you're now at a 3.12, you know, you're at what? Over a million dollar loss. Yep. And you're starting to see a lot of these kind of record breaking sales. You're starting to see some of these cards get resold and they're significantly decreasing in value. Yes. And it's starting to make me think that, like, like for that card, okay, so say say the person who bought that card for $4.6 million never sold the card, never turned around and sold the card. How how much higher do you think a $4.6 million card is going to go? See, that's... Now, now granted, granted, Luca, I mean, here's the, Luca hasn't, he hasn't won an MVP, He's been in the league for four years. He hasn't won an MVP. He finally made it to the playoffs. Well, it was last year. Yes, there's a lot of upside to his career. It's it's a matter of time before Luca wins an MVP. I mean, I we yeah. all we all are waiting for it. I mean, he's yeah. he's set, he's second in the league in scoring right now. So he, he's arguably having his best season currently right now. But a four point six million dollar card. If, if that card wasn't relisted, do you see that card increasing in value significantly enough to, to make it be worth spending $4.6 million on it? 
it's a really great question and my <laughs> my like counter argument to it is if you are investing 4.6 million dollars into into a Luka Doncic's one of one RPA like V1 basically the Logoman RPA's uh, rookie patch auto is basically the card for any basketball one of one in existence if you're putting that much money into a Luka card I I honestly maybe the person who bought it was just in a pinch and they're like okay I need this money back immediately and so I'm going to sell it and whatever it goes for I'm going to be happy I don't know why you wouldn't wait like you said everyone knows or is anticipating Luka Doncic to win an MVP he might do it this year he started off the season like I think he was on pace to break records for how many 30 point games he was having he was averaging 30 points a game for over at least two weeks maybe it was even 35 points a game and like you said he's second in scoring in the NBA so he is going to win an MVP could potentially win an NBA championship my counter argument to these the examples I know there's another example that I I don't know if you said it or someone said it in our group chat about the Torkelson like Spencer that was, Torkelson that was you and I was yeah I was another one that I was going to bring up too yeah the Torkelson red out of five Bowman auto PSA 10 has dropped significantly as well you're it's all we're tying once again we are tying episodes into the next episode it's about timing and it's about investing in players that you truly believe in if you truly believe that Luka Doncic if that if you believe that Luka has room to grow why would you sell it now in the quote-unquote cards uh popped bubble or I guess if you want to call it the cards dip if you're selling it at the dip point why would you do that if you do truly believe that this player is going to become an MVP and is going to eventually win an NBA championship. Because in my, in my opinion right now, I think the card market is that since the card boom, I think it's at its lowest point. Right. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of leveling off. And yeah, I, I guess in that lowest point, maybe more so it's like plateauing. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, it hit its peak and now it's, it had its decline and now it's at its plateau. And exactly. That's, that's my point. I do think that, in the maybe not in like the everyday collector's eyes like us who don't have five million dollars to spend on a Luca card. I do think that in the eyes of the super rich collector who does love basketball cards, there is potential for you to sell that Luca card for at least closer to your money back. I don't I don't want to be um over exaggerating when I say that a Luca card can sell for six million dollars, but I feel like selling it now was not the right play. And I have that same argument for Spencer. Uh, the, all the, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. The, the peak point for the Spencer sale was, like we talked about with Bobby Witt, was right around uh, spring, spring training slash opening day for the MLB. That card sold in April of 2022 for $111,360. So $111,360. Fast forward to a month ago, again, a horrible time to sell that Spencer. It was October. Exactly. Yeah, October. Yeah. T- t- Tigers aren't in the playoffs. They're not competing. Spencer's probably in AAA, whatever. The season's over. The card sells for eighteen grand. So you look at a $90,000 loss. I don't understand why you would make that sale unless you're completely giving up on the player. Which, hey, if that's what you think, then right on. You can, you can do that. But even if you completely give up on the player, 
I don't think that the right time to sell a baseball card is at the end of the season when people are kind of shifting their focus in terms of the hobby to football and basketball. And I don't know, it's, <laughs> I don't even, I don't even remember your original question, but I think it was basically, do, do I think that that Luca card has room to grow at such a high base of 4.6 million? And my winded answer is yes. If you, if you are a long-term believer in the hobby, like I am, and you invest in players in the, for the long-term, like Luka Doncic, and I guess we can we can get to like uh, other cards who are on the rise. I don't see why you would sell it at the time that this card was sold, unless you are giving up on the player or deciding that hey, I I don't really want this card anymore. I'd, I'd rather get rid of it, and you're afraid that it's just going to keep dipping. I I personally think that we are at the plateau. Now is the time to buy. I. If I was, if I had three point something million dollars to throw around, I wouldn't mind having a one of a one of one Luca. I don't know who, like, who else would I want a one of one besides Luca in the NBA and other players? If you want to relate Luca to NFL, like a like a Joe Burrow one of one or Jalen Hurts one of one or my boy Justin Fields one of one, I would love to have cards like that. In a in a buying market versus a selling market, I do not well, think. Yeah, let me uh, let me because so the reason why I'm saying it, the reason why I, I'm saying that I feel as if this hobby has kind of moved to a way more of like a higher end market, but like for for example, for that four point six million dollars, when you start buying over million dollar cards, <laughs> your market has significantly shortened because it's like who who is right. in the, how many people are actually in the market of buying a 4.6 million dollar card you're you're lessening the amount of people that you can now try to sell that card to because you're you're in a completely different tier of yeah. collectors and buyers you know if you go base so like 4.6 and that's why I'm asking 4.6 how much how 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 much of a profit are you truly looking at on that Luca card when the highest card ever sold <laughs> the highest ever basketball card that was ever sold was the 2003 LeBron James uh, exquisite collection RPA, which was graded in a BGS nine. That card sold for five point two million dollars. There are so many people out there who believe LeBron James is the best basketball player of all time. I am not going to get into that debate because <laughs> I will I will sit here and. Get very angry. Yeah, me too. I get extremely angry when somebody tells me that LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan. Please, please come back when you win as many championships as he has. Okay. Anyways, yeah. Anyways, that five point that five point two million dollar card is tied for fourth all time. Fourth all time. It's tied with a fifty two tops mantle card. Okay. Yeah. I understand what you're saying now. Luke, I mean, Luca is not, in terms of the accomplishments that LeBron James has had, don't get me wrong. 
LeBron James is a very successful basketball player. The career he has has I'll, I'll put him at number two, or I'll put him at least in the top five all yeah. time best ever. I'm not putting him at number one. Michael will forever be number one. I agree. But I mean, are you are you looking at that Luca card? Going that card can sell higher than the LeBron than a LeBron James rookie card. No, that's a great point. I know what you're saying now. You're saying that uh, once you get into these million dollar cards, your um, audience basically for that yeah, that, yeah, that, that's what yeah, that's the word I was trying to look for. Yeah, yeah, yeah the audience for that caliber of a, a collectible is I don't know maybe a hundred people less, fifty, twenty people. And how many of them would be interested in buying the card? It's a great point. Um, but to kind of ease your fear, there are other examples of insane price increases. If you want to look at the, uh, I actually have some written down that we could talk about. But yeah, I, I don't know. So you, I understand what I understand your point. And these like national treasures, immaculate, all these sets that are printing logo man RP, rookie patch autos and one of ones and out of tens and out of twelves those sets are extremely expensive and your fear is that that's what is going to drive the hobby. But yeah, for me, because I I feel, I feel as if these, these other sets then like the, you know, these other sets that are are affordable to, to the normal hobbyist out there. It's not even, it's, you know, with the increase in wax. So you got the increase of, of wax, rising you have all of these these you know national treasure sets and these flawless sets these basically non-retail sets are driving the market because you're seeing these million dollar sales popping up i feel as if it's like the card the cards that are actually in these you know retail boxes are not even going to be worth the amount that you're spending on like a case of them or something like that you get what i mean yeah, I get what you mean. But uh, to kind of ease your your sense of fear, there I have examples. Like so, we've been talking about the Luca Luca Doncic one of one logo man RPA, and I'm pretty sure it's a National Treasures card. It might be what is it immaculate? Maybe whatever it is, it comes out of an expensive set. But there are other examples like we, <laughs> your boy slash my now arch nemesis Aaron Judge. So using, this is all coming from card ladder. Like I said, if you are pessimistic or worried about the hobby, I strongly suggest you follow card ladder because they do an amazing job of tracking cards and seeing where they previously sold at lower points and what they sell for now. So for example, Aaron judges 2013 Bowman draft orange auto rate graded a BGS 1010 in 2015 that card sold for $910, which is like, in my opinion, in the realm of the everyday hobbyists, in the realm of jelly cards and other people who are in the, in the card hobby for sure. Like you can, $910 is a hobby box of NBA Prism. Yeah. That card sold for $910 in 2015. I don't know if you saw it, but can you guess what that card sold for about a month ago on uh, November 17th? Um, I, I didn't see it, but I'll guess it'll, you said it was originally what? 900 you said? Yeah. 910 bucks. 
I'll say it got to five figures. Okay. It sold for $48,000 on November 17th. So in a matter of seven years, that card increased by over 5,000%. You you bought the card for $910 in 2015. Uh, Bowman Draft, Aaron Judge, Orange Auto, BGS 1010. It's now worth forty-eight grand. And then another example, if for people who are going to listen to the podcast and say, oh, well, that's seven years. I'm not holding a card for seven years. Another really good example is the, I had another uh, straight from card letter, the 2018 gold Kaboom rookie card of Jason Tatum. Kaboom, like we've talked about, is like a special insert that you can get out of Panini Absolute. It's basically like a animated image of the of the superstar or of the athlete. And this was the gold rookie for Jason Tatum. In January of 2020, this card sold for $300. I didn't write down the grade. I'm upset with myself about that, but I'm pretty sure it was a BGS 9.5 or maybe it's a PSA 9 or PSA 10. Anyway, in January of 2020, that card sold for $300. A week ago at PWCC's premier auction, that $300 card sold for $40,800. So my point here is that <laughs> these, these big sets, they can take all these super rich investors as much as they want. You want to buy into a box of national treasures for five grand, five to eight to 10 grand, go right ahead. I have no problem investing in these like little hidden gems like kabooms of Jason Tatum or first Bowman autos of Aaron judge. And then I have another final one that I I'm going to get to, uh, 2018 optic. We talked about optic before. It's just basically a, a retail product, just like the kaboom, the absolute, that's a retail product that you can buy the 2018 optic Josh Allen aqua out of 299 graded a PSA 10 in July of 2019. Three years ago, that card sold for $52.99. $53 for a Josh Allen PSA 10 Aqua out of $299. Two weeks ago on eBay, that card was flipped for $2,400, an increase of 6,033%. So, yeah, I, <laughs> we're, we're getting way too into this topic. We got other things we got to talk about, but I, I appreciate what you're saying. I appreciate that uh, it is a valid point that these these investors so to speak are coming into the hobby and they're buying up and promoting these massive sets that cost thousands of dollars to get into and it makes me upset because it it does instill like what the heck i the everyday hobbyist can't afford a ten thousand dollar box why it makes you almost um what's the word i'm looking for it's like uh opposite of motivate it kind of deters you from getting into the hobby but there is always going to be those little markets that you can find. And I, that's what makes me optimistic. I can, if you put your money into the hobby correctly and you put your money into cards that you really truly believe have potential to increase in value, I am very optimistic and I do have faith that there will always be room and there will always be a market for you to, for you to make money. And well, the, the, so I, I want to add something to that, too, because uh, on, on like a, a positive note, um, even though, yeah, I, ha- I you know, I kind of am a little hesitant about the, the future or the path that the hobby's taking, uh, taking. But if you look at the players that are 
or the cards that are actually are starting to hit these record breaking sales and you know like Luca and um you know Justin uh, I'm going to talk about the Justin Herbert cards that have been selling recently they're players that are actually still currently playing right now yeah. you're not like yes you know the number one all-time card ever sold you know was the obviously 52 tops uh mantle you know that sold for over 12 million dollars the the top three cards ever sold, you know, top uh, Mickey Mantle and Honest Wagner. Which mm-hmm. by by the way, the top three cards ever sold are all SGC graded. Just <laughs> just saying. Oh God. Um, Here we go. But a lot of these, you know, record breaking sales that are happening right now. They're they're players who are currently playing right now. Which is which is good. It's a, it's a good outlook because they're um they're accessible you know these are cards yes. that we could be that we could potentially be pulling i know i saw on on tiktok a post uh, another luca card it was a uh it was a one of one luca from optic and it was an auto uh from his um rookie season and it sold for $80,000 wow but you're talking about optic that's that's a retail product you know that's some something that you can you can buy off the shelves at a Target or at a you know Walmart or something, and you're starting to see a lot of these one on ones getting pulled out of retail boxes, out of blasters, hanger boxes. Um, by the way, I you probably didn't even see, and I think it was out of top, just regular Tops update. Uh, they say a Suzuki one on one was pulled finally. No. Yeah, it was, and it was out of a hanger box. <sighs> Yep. Yeah. Say Suzuki's one one was pulled, but the point I'm getting is that you are seeing it's it's these current players right now that are still attainable. Yes. So the 2020 Justin Herbert uh, National Treasures Platinum NFL Shield Auto, and that's a rookie card. It's a one one. It was graded in a BGS 8.5. The auto got a 10. That card sold for $1.8 million. Dang. And that was just, I think that was back in September. Wow. When that card was sold. I'm going to tell you right now. Only Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady have had cards that have sold for at least $1 million for football. Wonderful. But two of those players are still well, I mean, obviously, three of the all three players are still playing right now. Tom Brady's clearly probably on his last maybe season or two, yeah, before he's going to retire. But Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert are two players now that have had card prices that have sold for over a million dollars. And Herbert was just drafted in 2020, exactly. But I do one thing that I found pretty uh fascinating was one herbert ha- is third in the league uh in passing yards since 2020 the only other two players he's behind is brady and mahomes <laughs> so it kind of makes sense why his card his his prices are um significantly increasing especially compared to like joe burrow who has already played in a super bowl justin herbert hasn't played in a super bowl yeah, Justin Herbert's actually outselling Joe Burrow, which is pretty crazy. But yeah. so Justin Herbert's um, 
2020 Prism Finite rookie card, which the Finite rookie card is a 101. It was graded a BGS 9, and that card also uh, this past uh, in 2022 sold for $1.1 million. God. Now get this. <laughs> that same card, that uh, – Prism Finite Rookie card. So Jalen Hurts, who was drafted in the same draft class as Justin Herbert, his twenty his twenty twenty Prism Finite Rookie card was graded in a BGS nine point five. So his wow. was a nine point five. Herbert's nice. was a was a nine. His and this is an all time high for him, for card prices sold for a hundred and forty four thousand wow. dollars. You have you have Justin Herbert. Who sold for 1.1 million, and Jalen Hurts sold for 144 thousand dollars. Now this, now I I saw this on TikTok, and it was that uh, Coach Co guy uh, that with the really sweet mustache. Yeah, Doctor Robotnik. Yeah, anybody who follows uh, Coach Co on TikTok or doesn't follow, he he creates a lot of really great content. His uh, his sports IQ. And card uh, for and his card IQ is is pretty impressive. Uh, he gives a really a lot of really great insight. I truly like a lot of his videos. Um, but he made a point to say, basically, did somebody get the Jalen Hurts card for a phenomenal price, exactly. or did somebody overpay one point million one point one million dollars for the Justin Herbert card and I want to get your take on that. My general take on everything you just said is thank you. That is basically what I'm trying to say here is that you the hobby works in mysterious ways. There's when we talk about the purest form of the future of the hobby, the the blanket that lets you sleep at night is that there's always going to be situations like this where you can capitalize on the market. Because which one would you rather have? Would you rather have a 1.1 million Justin Herbert rookie card? Or would you rather have that Jalen Hurts rookie card for a tenth of the price? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I, it's it's tough to say, though, because like Jalen Hurts, is he's, he's now finally uh, playing up to the uh, expectations that a lot of people had. I know. Like, Justin Herbert, I think, exceeded a lot of people's expectations, though. I mean, let's who, – who was I – from the 2020 draft class, who was I most excited for out of the oh, top gosh. quarterbacks? Justin who? Herbert. Say it. Say it again? <laughs> Justin <No>. Herbert. <laughs> and, uh, hey, we both capitalized on his market, too. You know, we sold some good, good Justin Herbert cards. <laughs> okay. Listen. Uh, all of that, it's like it's besides the point. My point here is like, oh, I know. I just wanted to say, it. oh, Jesus, it's Christ. <laughs> you have the opportunity to capitalize. Like that's the beauty of the hobby. You can you can ignore all the stats. You can ignore you can ignore that Herbert is like third overall in passing since those years. And right now, you have the opportunity to resell that Hertz Auto for a a lot more money once playoffs roll around. You know what I'm saying? There's that market. The beauty of the sports card hobby market is that there will always be situations where your card has a chance to increase in value. 
And now is that time to have that Jalen Hurts card. Now might not be the time to have the Herbert card if we're talking about when you want to sell, when you want to buy. But right now is the time to have that Hertz card. It's, it's like I almost mix up their names, but it's it's uh, it's it's hard to explain in, in words. But if you ignore all the stats, because obviously everyone does, we've talked about it before. How in the world is a Justin Fields one of one selling for more than a Brady and a Montana rookie combined? Because no one cares about stats. It's all hype. It's always going to be about hype when it comes to the when the hobby market, and. Yeah, you're asking me which one, what do I think about it? And I I agree with Dr. Robotnik that Hertz, buying that Hertz at a low price, I think is a steal. And if you want to compare the two, I do agree that it's kind of a mixture of both. I, you kind of overpaid for Herbert and you underpaid for Hertz now. But at the time, it's all it's all market influenced. And I, it's... We're, we're still stuck on this like one topic, but the future of the hobby is always going to be present. And it depends on the cards you have. It depends on how much you spend, how much you want to sell it for. And it's it really comes down to you as an investor and a sports card lover. And, and it, it's up to you on what you want to buy, who you want to buy, when you want to buy, when you want to sell. And I don't know. I I brought up... You bring up your freaking your love for Justin Herbert and how much you wanted to buy Herbert cards. But right now, I really wish we had like 300 Tua rookies in a PSA 10 because the Dolphins are scary and Tua is actually performing very well. Okay, but but wouldn't you also I oh, mean, yeah. you could say you could say the same thing about Justin Herbert when he, his rookie season. Absolutely. When he won when he run rookie of the year. That's my I point. Mean, I mean, guess what? When Tua when Tua first started, how I mean, he was not good. I know. Exactly. Like that's. Uh, I'm just trying to tie it all in. Like you, there's always going to be. An well, hell, I trade. I traded. I traded. I. I'm <laughs> thinking of Pokemon cards now. Right now, <laughs> you got me all fired up. No, I I sold my Jalen Hurts rookie card for like. $36 or something. And it was a PSA 10 because I sold it when Jalen hurts. Like I, I think he just started on the team. You know, he just took over that starting role and now I'm sitting back going, damn, I should have held on to that card because now look, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you, so if you go based off of Herbert stats versus hurts stats this season, currently, they're pretty – I mean, there's a very significant difference between passing yards. Herbert actually has over 4,000 passing yards right now. Wow. He's sec- he's second in the league behind Mahomes. But if you look at their touchdown, I mean, Herbert has 21 to Hertz is 22. Herbert has nine interceptions to Hertz is five interceptions. But Hertz, I mean, you know, he has over 700 rushing yards. Herb- uh, Herbert only has like a little over 100. Mm-hmm. I mean, but let's, I mean, they're kind of equal in the sense. So like for Herbert to sell for 1.1 million and Hertz to only sell for 144,000, it, it, it's true. It's, it's all hype. Yeah. People believe that Herbert is going to ultimately be the better quarterback in the long run. 
even though Jalen Hurts is having almost like an MVP type season, you know. Absolutely. I agree. I yeah, you're just kind of like you're feeding into my optimism. I I have no maybe 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 I'm ignorant or maybe I'm like uh, delusional. I don't I'm not afraid of where the hobby is going to go. I do think that the future of the hobby is in good hands even with fanatics taking over. But time will tell. I I'm a firm believer. I'm a firm long-term believer of the hobby. Obviously, you guys know that. You probably make fun of me behind my back about it because I hold on to cards forever. But yeah, I I truly your pa- feel your passion for this hobby though is like <laughs> is it's it's definitely on another another level, but it's not in a bad way. Like your your knowledge of the hobby is pretty extensive. Like and, and you know it's I mean I get I'm, I get a lot of my info from you a lot of the stuff that I learned about the hobby was from you you know a lot of things that I know about cards and what to look for and uh, you know to you know you should be looking at these cards instead of that you know don't don't do don't buy this and you should be buying that and you know don't you know you should be grading with you know I mean I would have been sending every single card to SGC you know <laughs> And probably losing out on a lot of value, unfortunately. Yeah, I. <laughs> hey, don't buy big league baseball, Jason. Okay, you were also buying big league baseball. Okay. Yeah, it's such it's a good just deal. Fun. Yeah, it's uh, not. It's the best deal. <laughs> I could buy a box for forty-four dollars and get an auto out of it. Okay, we're going on. A, we're we're gearing off topic, but thank you yeah. for that. I, I'm very optimistic. I. I have more examples that we can talk about at the end of the show because um, <laughs> I've been in the hobby for long enough to know when base rookie cards were not being even even graded. People weren't even grading base rookie cards unless they're vintage. But now people went through this card boom in 2020 when base rookie cards were flying off of eBay's web website and they're all hyped up about the base rookie cards in the market and now, just when things start to stumble, people are rushing to social media and saying, what's happening to the cards market? What's happening to card prices? The dip. Cards are dipping. The bubble, the bubble burst. I, yeah, I, it's like, even if you put the last 10 years of the hobby into like a, a recipe and you make a cake out of it to, make, to get kind of ridiculous about it, it's still very sweet. Things are things are not as scary as people make it out to be, and yeah, I'm, <laughs> I may hold on to cards for way too long, but it's because I I'm a firm believer in investing in players that you think will do well, grading them with the proper grading company so that you can get the most value out of your cards, and I'm not fearful about the future of the hobby, and I'm actually really excited for it, and I'm super excited for jelly cards. Yeah, but, me too. Yeah. And please say, you know, to everybody who's who listens to this episode, you know, um, feel free to always reach out to us. And, you know, if you have any questions about, you know, topics related to the hobby, um, direct your questions to John because <laughs> he will give you the most honest answer that he can possibly give you. Uh, like I said, his knowledge of this hobby is truly incredible. 
Um, the three of us being myself, Eric and Luke, you know, have learned a lot about this hobby from him. So yeah, please reach out. He's, you know, big on Twitter. Uh, both of us are, you know, very active on, uh, Instagram and, you know, uh, I'm the one that handles our TikTok page. So again, you know, please reach out to us if you ever have any questions, uh, related to the, to the hobby and, John, any last words of uh, wisdom? Yeah, that's very nice of you to say. But to be honest, I think the beauty of jelly cards is that we all have our own little niches or like little little areas of the hobby that we're experts in, yeah. including like you're underselling yourself and you're underselling Luke and Eric. You guys have changed my perspective of the hobby because I, like I've said before in previous episodes, it was all vintage for me, and that's kind of going to be my final my final uh, statement before I'm going to let you get one more word in, and then I'll close this out. But I I thank you thank you for everything you said. The reason that I Jason's right. If you ever have any questions, we can at least give you our best opinions. I'm not sitting here saying that you're going to buy this, you're going to buy that, and I promise you it's going to go up. I'm just. If you ever ask me any sort of question, I will give you the answer. And Jason will give you the answer. Eric will give you the answer. Luke will give you the answer. Jelly will give you a genuinely honest answer because we are in this hobby, sure, to make a little money for ourselves. But we find joy in other people making money. Like, I, I, it kind of upsets me when we get in, if we ever get into the episode about other breakers and social media platforms, other hobbyists who are always bashing people about their investments or saying, Oh, that, that was a stupid buy. You shouldn't have spent that money. I never, uh, that's not who I am. That's not who jelly is. If, if somebody buys a card, a gold kaboom, Jason Tatum for $300 and turns around and sells it for $41,000. I'm super happy for that person. I'm like ecstatic. That is a wonderful situation. I wish for that to be us one day. So when people get that kind of success, it makes me happy. And if I have any sort of knowledge or Jelly has any sort of knowledge to help people get on that path, that is what we are all about. And before I close out with my final statement and my final official hobby love of vintage, Jason, any last words about this episode or like, do you want me to tell people to go buy Justin Herbert cards and, <laughs> and Topps Big League Baseball boxes? No, don't buy any Topps Big League Baseball. Leave it for me to open. That's right. No, but I mean, I just, I am excited for the for the future. And, you know, as long as you are optimistic about it, I'm going to remain optimistic about it because I base a lot of my decisions, a lot of my thoughts on, on what, how you react. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, yeah, I think you said it perfectly. Okay. Um yeah, thank you. I that I don't want you to put too much faith in me. I'm just, I'm. Oh like, no, it's it, it will. We're we're gonna either oh, ride God. with you or we are gonna sink with you. So. Oh God! Well, we're screwed. <laughs> no, I'm gonna have, <laughs> I I won't be able to sleep tonight because I'm gonna have a panic attack. Um. So, our closing statements. Everybody who listened to the episode, thank you so much for listening. Please reach out to us, even if it's just to. No matter what you have to say, we welcome it. Um, when it comes to the hobby, if you want to talk about what you think the future of the hobby is going to be, are you worried about fanatics taking over? We got to talk about that in another episode, Jason. We got to mention, uh, like, 
where Fanatics is going to take sports cards when they officially take over. Like you said, yeah. I think it's 2026. But anyway, please reach out to us at uh, Instagram, like Jason said, at Jelly Cards. Jason and I are very active on there. Eric, too. Luke, occasionally, maybe. Uh, reach out to us on Twitter. That's me, at Jelly Cards. TikTok, Jelly underscore cards. And my final point to kind of emphasize my disease, if you want to call it that, or sickness in terms of holding cards for a long time. The 1952 Tops Mickey Mantle is probably the most iconic Mickey Mantle card in history. But many people don't know that his actual rookie card is the 1951 Bowman set. So 1952 Tops is the first year of Tops, and the poster poster child of baseball and collecting was Mickey Mantle, so he kind of carries that set into, into its fame and into its glory. But his rookie card is the 1951 Bowman. And again, thank you and shout out to Card Ladder. On 10-24-2007, Jason, you know why that day is important. On 10-24-2007, the Mickey Mantle PSA 9, 1951 Bowman, sold for $40,200. So about 15 years ago, that PSA 9, 1951 Bowman Mickey Mantle sold for $40,200. Three weeks ago, on December 3rd, 2022 a PSA 9 1951 Bowman Mickey Mantle rookie card sold for three million one hundred and ninety thousand dollars an increase of seven thousand eight hundred and forty percent so I just want to I want to bring this all home and let you know that there there will that was your card that sold (laughs) no (laughs) yeah surprise we are now (laughs) going to buy fanatics (laughs) Jelly Cards is now going to own the license. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm just bringing it all together that there's always going to be a market for the cards that you truly believe in. If you are, if you claim to be a hobbyist and a believer in the long term of the hobby, invest in the cards you love, buy the buy the players you like, the players you hope to be great. I know Jason's going to get off this podcast and go look at Dansby Swanson cards, <laughs> but um, yeah, keep. Keep spreading the love of the hobby. Please don't ever let people bash your opinions. No one has a crystal ball. No one can know where things are going to go definitively. And I never forget. Jelly Cards is here if you need us for any questions, any concerns. If you have any suggestions for future podcast episodes, reach out to us. But if you want to invest $40,000 into a card have faith and be optimistic that that card can turn into a $3.2 million card. Thank you all so much for listening. I appreciate you all very much. Jason appreciates you all reach out to jelly cards and keep spreading the love of the hobby from your friends at jelly cards.